that, that we're told were so amazing. And what Jeremy shared is going to tie in so perfectly to where we're going this morning as we look at the children of Israel as they have crossed over the Jordan River. If you remember, our, our whole even concept of our, our sermon series is what it means to live the life that is crossed into the promise that God has for you. Just by way of recap, we'll make this super fast. Um, children of Israel were ready to enter. They were told to fear not. They sent spies into the land and they knew it was time to go. And the waters were parted as they walked in and crossed the Jordan River. A couple themes that are pulled from this book. Uh, Spirit-filled living. Life in the faith. The fullness of life. Uh, what it means to have abundant living. I want to tell a couple quick stories before we dive into the text. Um, I like to travel. How many of you all out there like to travel, right? Uh, I love national parks. I love the beauty of uh, just the United States, the western side of the Rocky Mountains. I had the opportunity to go to Death Valley a couple years ago, uh, spend some time down on the desert floor, um, glow-in-the-dark scorpions at night was super cool. Um, but the reason I bring this up is uh, I'm kind of if I had a dollar for every, if you had a dollar for every time I said I'm a nerd from the pulpit, y'all would all be really rich. But I'm a nerd, you know it. And uh, I, I love rocks because geology rocks. It's cool. Okay, that's a terrible joke. But uh, I love, I love just the natural uh, earth and geology. And so while I was in Death Valley, I found some really cool rocks. Some rocks that I thought, these are awesome. I'm going to keep these. And so I did. Um, and they were cool rocks. I had them displayed in all sorts of places. And then I found out that it's illegal. It's a federal crime to steal rocks from national parks. How many of you knew that? Okay, yeah, I was naive. <laughs> and I stole these rocks and I felt so convicted that I put these rocks back in a box and shipped them back down to Death Valley. Whether they got there or not, who knows? I know they didn't make it to where I took them from, but I thought the rocks were cool. I, I did the right thing. Um, fast forward about 10 years from this trip to Death Valley. Uh, my family had the opportunity to go to Rome. Um, and Rome is really cool. Uh, it's beautiful. That's an understatement. Uh, we're just traveling, adventuring Rome. And my brother's there, my mom and dad, uh, Wesley and Olivia, Mariah and I. And we're just going around. And at one point, we're like, where is John? For those of you who know my brother, um, John is nowhere to be seen. We're walking these streets in Rome, and we look, and he's on a side street. And you've heard stories about uh, the Roman roads, and like how the ancient world was connected by these cobblestone roads, right? Okay, they're still there. Well, my brother, you can give him a hard time uh, next time you see him. Uh, we look, and he's down on the ground this. We're like, John, what are you doing? He's got a cobblestone in his hand from the Roman roads. And we're like, John, you can't do that. He's like, it's fine. There's so many of them. It's going to be okay. So we spend some time. Don't even remember if John even keeps the rock. We drive all the way from Rome back up into Switzerland, and we're going through the Swiss version of TSA. And John's suitcase is extremely heavy. And they put it through the x-ray machine again, put it through again. They're like, sir, we need to look in your bag. What's in your bag? And 
John's kind of like nervous at this point. It's heavy. They shake it. There's like a big black spot on the x-ray. And he opens it up. And a brother confesses. He says, well, I have some rocks. I, 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 and he had more than one. He, he had several rocks that he'd taken from all different ruins. He had some rocks from Pompeii. He had some rocks from uh, Rome. And, and uh, yeah, it was crazy. And so the TSA agent or wh whatever they called in Switzerland said, are these rocks from Switzerland? John says, no, they're from Rome. And the Swiss guy says, well, we don't care about Italian politics, so you can keep the rocks. Just don't tell them you came through Switzerland. And so we came home, and to this day, John has stones uh, from the Roman road uh, there in his house. And the reason I bring this up, as we're going to see in our, in our study through Joshua this morning, uh, the children of Israel were instructed to pick up some stones. Now, John picked up his stones because he wanted to remember Rome, or maybe he just wanted to be a rebel. Uh, but the children of Israel, they had a specific purpose. You are to pick up these stones because they will be a memorial, a remembrance of what God has done. Joshua chapter 4, picking up in verse 1, it said, When all of the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man. And command them, saying, take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, and from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you are going to lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon your shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in the time that is to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off from before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did as Joshua had commanded and took up the twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel just as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them into the place where they had lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood that day. And they are there to this day. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, we thank you that your word cuts through the bone and the marrow into the soul and to the spirit and reveals to us the motives and the intents of our heart. Lord, we pray that this morning, as we spend these next few, these short moments looking at your word, being encouraged by the truth that is contained within these pages, God, that we would be challenged, that we would be inspired, uh, God, that we would be exhorted and uh, encouraged to live our lives more for you for what you have done in our lives. So, Lord, we just thank you. We praise you. God, we pray that these would not be my words, but, God, you would speak through your word and you would touch hearts and lives. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen, amen. The chapter continues on, but for sake of time, I'll, I'll retell the story. Uh, Joshua, commanded by the Lord, tells these 12 men to pick up 12 stones, to throw them on their shoulders, and to carry them to the place where they are going to lodge for the evening. 
the place they are going to lodge for the evening is roughly one mile to two miles from the bank of the Jordan River. It's a place known as Gilgal. It's actually going to be where they set up camp, and it's from this camp that they are going to do their entire conquest throughout the promised land. Gilgal has some very important and historical uh, uh, importances that we're not going to cover this morning, but no, this is a place of great importance for the children of Israel. But Joshua, under the inspiration of, of the Lord, challenges these men to lift up 12 stones, to carry them on their shoulders, to place them there. But these men are not the only men who are going to pick up 12 stones and make a memorial. For Joshua himself is going to pick up some stones, and he is going to make a memorial as well. You see, the 12 men were instructed and commanded to carry these to where they are going to lodge at the night. But the Lord tells Joshua, hey, right here in the riverbed of the Jordan, I want you to make a memorial. Now there's a lot to be said about this, uh, but for sake of time, uh, we're going to rifle through some key points and some key thoughts that I think are important here. Joshua sets up his stones in the riverbed. If you remember the story from just a few weeks ago, when they got to the Jordan and it was at the time of flooding, the, the, the Jordan River is much wider than it normally is, uh, miles across. I mean, it is a, the valley, the basin is full of water. It's going to part. You remember last week, it parted all the way back. Many, many miles dry land when the priests with the ark stepped into the water. Joshua is going to set up a memorial that in just a few moments is going to be flooded. And the question could be asked, why is Joshua setting up a memorial that no one is going to see. Well, I want to make the observation this morning that there are those who are going to see it. The book of Joshua tells us it is there to this day, but what I mean by those who are going to see it is the Lord is going to see it. As the waters engulf it, Joshua sets this up, and it is something that is hidden. It is something that is personal but it is something that the Lord is going to see, and we are going to see as we continue on through the book of Joshua. It is the Lord that sees the heart of Joshua and sees the heart of the people, and as a result, he sees what no man can see, and he does amazing things through it. But I also want to make the observation that the Jordan River, again, is at a time of flooding. It's at a high point, and there are times in the Jordan River's annual cycle where it will become a trickle. In this region. And the waters will recede back, and these stones will clearly be visible for generations to see and generations to come. And so, something to draw on this is there's that hidden memorial, but then there's a memorial that is seen in times of drought. These stones are very likely seen in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 20, or, or, or in Matthew chapter 3, we see John the Baptist there at Bethabara on the Jordan River in the very place that the children of Israel crossed. And when the Pharisees, they come to him and he sees them from afar off and he calls them a den of vipers. He then goes on to tell them that God could use these very stones to raise up a new people. It's an interesting phrase and an interesting location. What stones is John the Baptist referring to? 
many theologians and Bible scholars believe it's the stones that were there till this day, the stones that Joshua had set up. What I want to do is I want to spend these next few moments. We have a historical narrative. There's deep theology, even in the things that are taking place here. But I want to jump to some practical application. This morning, I want to talk about the power of your testimony. We've said that Joshua, this book all about crossing the Jordan into the promised land, into the life that God has for you as a believer, it has a quintessential moment. In the life of the children of Israel, it was stepping into the water, having faith to step in, seeing God part the seas, and then walking through on dry land into the conquest that God had for the children of Israel. And God said, in that moment, I want you to take a time out of your normal routine, and I want you to pick up some rocks. Because you're going to stack these rocks up and you're going to make a memorial so that when the children ask you in generations to come, why is there a pile of rocks here? You can say because this is where the Lord brought us through the waters into the land that he had promised us. I would make the argument and the statement this morning that you and I, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you have crossed through this spiritual Jordan River into the life that God has for you, into the fullness of what it means to be a follower of Christ, you also have moments in your life that can operate as stacks of stones, as memorials, what God has done in your life. We use terms like testimony. It is, it is a remembrance of what God has done, a remembrance of what he is doing, and a hope for what he will do again. Children of Israel were told to erect these stones so that when people asked, they would be able to point back. So often, we as followers of Christ, um, we are desirous to learn the things of God. We're desirous to learn about what God has done in the Word, in history. We want to learn theology. If you're really a nerd, you want to learn apologetics, and you take statements in the New Testament like, be ready in season and out to give an answer, to give a defense for the hope, the faith that you have. And often we can do that, but often that becomes intimidating. Where we as believers, we approach a wealth of information and a wealth of knowledge, and it can become daunting, it can be overwhelming to us, and we stop diving deeper because we're overwhelmed. Can, can I make the observation this morning that there is a simplicity to experience? We can know the knowledge. I, I'm the kind of guy who wants to tell you exactly what date, why, what the temperature was at that day. Because to me, that's the way my brain, my, like my brain fires. But the reality is, you can win the mind without winning the heart. But there's power to personal testimony. There's power in personal experience. Experience is what wins the hearts. And you and I, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you have experience. You have 
testimony. I grew up thinking my testimony was lame because I was a pastor's kid. I grew up in church. Like, I fell asleep on the pews before I fell asleep in a real bed. I mean, like, I, I was a church kid through and through. My testimony's lame. I was never a drug dealer, a gangster, shooting people, all that kind of stuff. I used to think it was dumb. And someone said, dude, you got, like, one of the greatest testimonies ever. You were spared from all that stuff. Shifted the perspective. Sometimes I still wish. I was like, man, I wish I was hard, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm a softy, man. But uh, God, God saved me. I got a testimony. You've got a testimony. And there's power in a personal testimony and in personal experience. I can't tell you how many times I have had the answer. Whether it was historical accuracy, whether it was scientific like relevance, like I, I knew culturally I was right. On paper, I'm right, but I can't win the heart. Because as true as absolute truth is, sometimes that's not enough to push someone over the edge. And it just takes the sitting back and saying, okay, we've spent 32 hours talking about the history of the Amorites. I don't know why you're not saved yet. But let me just tell you what God has done in my life. Let me tell you about a moment where I was at my wit's end. And I called out. I was crazy enough to believe there was a God. And he heard me. And guess what? He did. And he answered. There's power in personal testimony and personal experience. Do you have memorial stones in your life? I don't always give homework on Sunday morning, but I'm going to give you homework today. Spend some time this afternoon, maybe after you've eaten a great lunch and you're tired and you would normally take a nap. Spend 20 minutes just meditating, thinking back on your life. Where are times where the Lord has shown up in miraculous ways? Maybe not in like grandiose, but in the minute but where you are certain God did something here. Write those things down. Pick up that stone. Start making an edifice that you can point back to when times get rough. You can say, you know what? I know it sucks. And how many of you know life is going to suck? I mean, it just does. But we can look back and see what God has done. Not to get like stuck in the past and be like, oh, I wish it was like in the old days. No, we can be inspired. The children of Israel were called to look back at those stones when times got rough so that they knew God had done it then and he can do it now. And he will do it time and time again. To the very, I mean, almost 2,000 years after the fact. John the Baptist is like, God could use those stones to do it again. What things in your life, in your testimony, is the enemy blinding your eyes from and is keeping you trapped in man life is a bummer but if you take the time to look back at the stones you'll see breakthrough in your life i've written here that you have crossed the jordan if you've put your faith in jesus you've crossed the jordan you're in the promised land you haven't maybe maybe you haven't subdued everything Maybe you haven't brought everything into the fullness of what God has. Hey, that's our mission. It's called sanctification. We're all doing it. But as Jeremy shared, and 
I was challenged this week by another pastor friend who we were talking about discipleship, and he said, hey, maybe try and work this into your message. It, it, it tied together so perfectly. But so often we are looking for opportunities, or we say we're looking for opportunities. How many of you have prayed that prayer, God, give me a divine appointment today? And you're like, just keep your head down, and you're like, yeah, God, give me a divine appointment. We're just not paying attention. And we don't, like, we, we realize that we don't even need to pray for that because every opportunity, every appointment that we have can be a divine appointment because we bring the living God with us, okay? So we'll say, God, I need a divine appointment. When God's just saying, hey, you have the opportunity every minute to live out your faith. We have spheres of influence. Sometimes we're looking for places to share our faith. Can I tell you that your workplace is a place to share your faith. Where you have shared hobbies, shared community, this is a place to live out your faith. And it doesn't have to be an apologetics, here, let me give you all the information and tell you how you're wrong and I'm right. No, just live it out. It's like what Jeremy said. Something's different about you. If the Spirit of God is doing something in your life, you will be different. And there are stones that have been erected. Look back to them point back to them. There's so much more to say. Praise the Lord. We might hang out chapter 4 a little bit more next week. It's one of the things with having a field worker share. Uh, for those who've ever shared, we've got a couple pastors in the room. You don't get through all your notes. And so, um, I'm challenged and I'm inspired by Joshua. He told the people to pick up stones and they were going to go put them where everyone can see. But God tells Joshua, hey, they're going to go do that if you do this. I said I was going to give you homework, but I'm going to give myself the same homework. I think it's important that we, that we all do this. Take the time to remember what God has done. Write them down. But don't just keep them to yourself. Because the children of Israel, they were told for when the generations to come see this. He's going to go on to say at the end of chapter 4, so that the world, the peoples of the earth, will wonder and marvel. You and I, if we have a testimony, uh, it's important that we share it with non-believers. But I'm going to also say it's important that we share it one with another. Because it inspires one another. It spurs us on to do greater things. And so this morning, I know it's a short message, but for the sake of time and hearing wonderful testimony from what God's doing in the far reaches of the world, I want to leave you with this this morning. Think about the simplicity of experience, what God has done. For some of us, it's going to be a large stone that we have to throw up on our shoulders. For others of us, it's going to be a pocket full of little pebbles. But no matter how great or small, when God has done something in your life, it is something that matters. Remember how I said I mailed rocks back to Death Valley? Remember how I told a story about a brother stealing rocks from Rome? I didn't tell the full story. I've got a rock too. <laughs> Mine didn't get caught by TSA though. I grabbed a small one. Um, I didn't grab one of the Roman roads. If the uh, Italian archaeological authority is listening to this uh, live stream, just turn it off. Uh, we were in uh, 
a first century church, three stories under uh, the Roman streets that are there today. Um, it's right by the Colosseum, three stories underground. Um, and it's a church that, according to tradition, and tradition dating all the way back to the second century, Clement uh, was the pastor of. Clement was an, uh, a disciple of Paul and of Peter. There was a small little piece of rubble that uh, when I dipped my hand in a well that they actually, or, or, or natural spring where they would baptize people in the early church, I, I, I bumped some rock and some rock fell on the ground. So I picked it up to put it back in there. And Mariah picked it up and slipped it in my pocket. And uh, I have it on my bookshelf and I look back at it. And uh, it's in a specific place. I, I look at that rock often. It's not a memorial of what God's done in my life. It's not a memorial of my time in Rome. Uh, it's a memorial of, I got to stand in the very room that first century believers who were worshiping the same God, the same Holy Spirit, were worshiping in. And I get to be here as a result of their faithfulness to live out their testimonies and pass it on. I look back at it, I'm challenged, I'm inspired, and I want to encourage you and challenge you and inspire you today. Remember what the Lord has done. Remember that song? Look what the Lord has done. Right? Okay, okay. Good. Y'all get it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you that you are at work. That you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, because you are the same, that means you are still doing the miraculous here and now. God, I pray that this morning as we are challenged and inspired by what our, uh, our, our dear brother shared with this amazing work that you are doing. Lord, I pray that we would be inspired to do that same work in our community. God, whether it's at the coffee shop, the grocery store, the schools, our workplace, our neighborhoods, Lord, that we would live out, that our lives would be living testimonies, that our lives would be living stones memorialized of this is what God has done and the result of what God has done. It gives hope for our future. God, I pray yet again that you would fill us afresh with your spirit, fill us with boldness. God, that we would be challenged to live out our faith. God, I pray that you would bring to our mind those times throughout history, those times throughout our lives where you have worked, where you have been there when no one else was, where we leaned on you and we felt your presence. God, I pray that you would bring those to our memory, God, that we would memorialize them, that we would think on them often, that we would share them, and that as a result, God, just the collective faith of this community would rise and we would see people turn to Jesus. So God, we just thank you, we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen, amen.